If you like the show, share it with a friend. You can find us at facebook.com slash slipangleshow, and you can visit our new home on the web at www.tracktuned.com backslash slipangle. You can also leave us reviews and ratings on iTunes. Welcome, everybody, to Slip Angle Show. I'm Austin Cabot. I'm Adam Jabeck. And tonight is episode 51, man. That, so many episodes, dude. So many episodes. So much nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great, man. I love it. It's been an interesting six months, dude. It ha- is um, it all- yeah, it has been six months, hasn't it? That's pretty ridiculous. I can't believe it's only been six months. That's, uh, that's not a lot of time. Yeah, you know, like the more that I think about it, it doesn't feel like six months, but at the same time, I feel like it should be longer than six months. Yeah, I know. It feels like we just started it, but it also feels like we might have been doing this since we were five. Yeah. Know? Well, we um, have been doing it since we were five. We just weren't recording it. Uh, yeah, we've been talking about cars our whole lives. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, I uh, I enjoyed the last episode with uh, Dave Belingit talking about, uh, uh, you know, your his new car and uh that was a lot of cool backstory on nasa i didn't really know i hadn't researched it much but. yeah lots of really cool stuff there's actually i traced back where the links had been kind of shared just doing some e-stalking and yeah, apparently yeah. there's a website i forget what it's called but there's a website out there for uh those cars for people that run them on road courses and oh, really? yeah and somebody somebody there actually shared a link to the episode saying that oh, we cool. yeah at about the 50 50 minute mark we were talking about their cars so Okay. Uh, that's kind of cool. I, I didn't realize that there were people that, that, you know, ran those cars that listened to our show. So, uh, whoever <laughs> you are, random. shout out to you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. Uh, email <laughs> yeah. me. We'd love to talk to you more about your experience in that car. Uh, Austin at tracktune.com. Yeah. You guys talked about a lot of cars. Yeah. Um, and, and you had me on, I was sitting in a, in a basement of a frozen house, uh, doing some glass when I was listening to it. And uh, I, I was sitting on the steps researching how cheap stock cars were, <laughs> and then I started texting you about it, and the, I went down a stock car uh, like wormhole for about half an hour there during lunch break that day. Well, I sent you that um, one that's in uh, that's in Schaumburg for sale on RacingJunk.com right now. That one's right about five five times what I'd want to spend. Yeah, it's a little, but it, but it's complete. You know, the drive looks so, there, it looks it looks sorted. very nice. I think that it was it. Very there nice. was the picture of it for sale. Was it parked uh, right in front of the uh, the tech shed at uh, Blackhawk? I think. Yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. imagine what that car would be like at Blackhawk. I mean, there's a lot of little tight corners there. I I can't decide if I'd be comfortable in one of those cars or if I'd be absolutely terrified. Well, they also have, I mean, they've got a lot of power if you want them set up that way. But you could, you could, for a track day car, you could run one of those things with three, four hundred horsepower and it would be a lot of fun and it wouldn't be too much of a manhandling machine, you know? You know, I bet we could drop a K series Um, in one and then you'd have nice, you know, nice power without being too crazy. (laughs) That's so terrible. (laughs) You'd probably have to put some skinny tires on. I don't think you'd be able to even spin the, uh, the NASCAR tires, but they, they, uh, they're really not all that heavy. I mean, and especially if you pulled a V8 out of it, that would be, I mean, like like go out, go out in your backyard and pick up a jungle gym. And essentially that's what it weighs. Yeah. It ain't, I mean, you know, there's not a lot of car there. No. Um, yeah, so my mind was going down that for the last few days, but and then uh, I think some of the some of the bodies too, isn't it? Is the chassis very similar to a TA two car? 
You're very similar. Like yeah. a lot of the a lot of uh, like Arca chassis and uh you can pick up uh like used Winston Cup and uh Sprint Cup cars cheap too, like full cars like with no with no engine. Yeah. Um yeah, I've seen them for for five to eight grand with no drivetrain. Well, that's um, the thing, like like Dave was saying, the road course chassis aren't as uh in demand. Because... Yeah, there's and well there's not as many of them either, but yeah. um even the circle track stuff is, I mean, there's a gajillion of them. And, yeah, they're all about the same price, it seems. So I wonder how viable, like, the show cars are. Are those actually, like, rolling chassis that you can actually turn into a, a running car? You know, you mean like, like this? You mean like the kind that uh, went around to all the all the vendors and the, yeah, the ones uh, that don't have motors in them or, or the motors just, like, bolted in. It doesn't actually have any real running gear. From, from what I saw online... Um, that a lot of those are like last year's chassis, and then they just put oh, the really? new body on them. Yeah, okay. so a lot of them are real cars. Uh, they just, you know, they put a cheaper motor or just some parts bin motor, and they roll it in and out of a chass, uh, in and out of a trailer. You know, huh. I wonder, um, I wonder what you would do. You know, if if you found a chassis, but the owner didn't really know much about its history, how you would know if it was originally a road course chassis or not? I bet you, you could. Get, I bet you could figure out with just measurements. Um, yeah. Looking at the suspension, uh, like you guys were talking about, wheelbase sometimes is different. Um, yeah, but yeah, a lot of it really is just comes down to how the thing is built. If you Google, um, you know, the, the stock car configurations, there's a lot of description on really what the difference is and stuff. So um, there, there's it's a it's a Google wormhole that I wouldn't recommend because you might end up <laughs> buying a car. Yeah, but I mean, I, I can I can think of worse things though. There was actually a, a locally here in Atlanta. There was a maybe last year there was a really really clean uh Toyota truck like NASCAR yeah. like like Camping World Truck Series truck. Yep. yep. Um for like I think they wanted like 35 for it. It was very expensive, but it was really really nice. Uh some well, guy our, had bought it as like a promotional piece for his business. A, a buddy of ours just bought a roller uh Cody from Love Fab yeah. and that's what he's building into a Pikes Peak truck um for a customer of his that I think he's supposed to drive it. Um, yeah, did that did that start as a road course truck? Uh, I don't know. I think okay. it did. Um, okay. But uh, you you can convert the perimeter chassis to the, I think they call them square chassis or road course chassis. I remember I mean, for a while he was... you the circle track stuff to the perimeter, I mean. I remember um, for a while he was kind of up, upset about the uh, the rules as far as the cage went. Because wasn't it something like the tubing started at a certain size and then got turned down on a lathe or, or something? Something like that. I, I remember like him being bummed for a little bit thinking that he wasn't going to be able to run it. Because the, either yeah. the wall thickness on the tubing wasn't big enough for Pikes Peak, yeah, or, the, or the something. Pikes Peak stuff, the cage rules are pretty intense. But, yeah, um, yeah, he's. He, I think I, last time I talked to him, I I haven't talked to him on the phone in a while, but I talked to him at PRI and then I text with him randomly, and it sounded like everything was on track with that thing. But yeah, uh, yeah, that you know, was I mean, an it, camping it's world a, truck. It's a camping. It's a camping world truck, so of course it's going to be intense. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> so horrible. That's that's a good one, actually. I can appreciate that part. Yeah, not not too bad, right? Uh, the uh, the <laughs> I I totally lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, the the price on that thing as a roller was I don't know if he wants me to say it, but like it was like CRX level, like a nice CRX. Really, maybe. it was it was freaking cheap, dude. Wow, um, like ridiculously cheap. So and it was like full body and everything on it. So. That's pretty nuts. And in um, Michigan, I think isn't it like really easy to get things street legal? 
Uh, Michigan is pretty easy for kid I know, cars. Yeah. I know, like razors, you can get street legal, but I, I wonder what yeah. it would be like if you tried to, you know, get one of those uh, and it's make pro- it street legal. Probably like lights and turn signals and like a um, a, a license plate lamp. I mean, see, that's know, what that's it. what Devin needs to get because if Devin got one of those, he'd be fast in it and it'd be more reliable driving to the track than his S two thousand is. <laughs> Devin mention. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been probably 30 episodes since we've had a Devin mention. So, yeah, it's been a little while. It's been a few minutes since then. He he texted me today and I have no idea what it means and he didn't text me back, but he says he's putting a parachute on his S2000. So, why? Whatever that means. I've You know, I, I'm going to th- I'm going to put a pear on the back of my wagon and shoot it and call it a pear a shoot. Just an exploded pear. Just yeah, a core and a bunch of crap all left to the there left and right of it. Actually, we need yeah. yeah, that needs to be like a, a track tune thing. We need to have um like a decal of a of a pear that's been shot. I don't think anybody would understand this. <laughs> it doesn't they don't need to, man. We the people that listen to this episode might remember it. But might not. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I don't know. The, I think it'd be the hilarious. O- the other day, I, I think what was the episode with Greg and me? Um, we talked about smashing. I, I smashed some. My, me and my brother smashed some cars with our tractor, right? And yep. uh, like th- only three or four days later, and I was the one who said it. I got a text from Oscar Jackson Jr. about uh, like LOL tractor uh, crash testing, and I text him like. <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> so, so even even I don't remember any of this crap. So, yeah, the uh, I I don't know if anybody would anybody but us would remember the uh, the parachute. But I don't know what Devin was do was talking about. I think he might have been maybe Devin is taking up drugs. That that might be an explanation for it. But. Could be either that or yeah. it's because because he's doing the turbo upgrade, but he's not going to oh, do the right. brakes. He's not going to do the brakes, or maybe he's going to run old brake fluid like you, and then he's going to need to stop. Yeah, that's a good idea. You know, don't. Yeah, I mean, you write the tech stuff. I think at the unlimited level, I think all the cars need a parachute. Yeah, this is a safety. Yeah, yeah. I I did. I did write the preliminary draft for the rules. Uh, Maybe maybe I can. Maybe I can add that in. The. uh, I forgot Devin's going turbo this year. That seems like everybody's going turbo, man. Yeah, our buddy Tom Cios is uh, he competes in Time Attack with us, yeah. uh, and he's doing a turbo. I think it's a terrible idea all the way around for everyone. <laughs> yeah, all of these. I think there's like three S two thousands that are getting turboed this winter. Yeah, so and maybe is? four. I, is Andrew Mishra doing anything? I remember I a know. while back he was talking about maybe doing a supercharger, but he did just sign up for Time Attack. I don't think he's been in an actual Time Attack in a while. Yeah. Unless he competed with Honda Meat with our with our oh, little no. experimental one. Well, no, because I, I, I think his, his his Facebook post said that he hasn't competed in a long time. Which speaking of oh, good yeah. life, yeah. uh pre-sale started today. Yeah, that was uh about and four minutes. Promptly, this yeah, four minutes. Uh all the pre-sold spots or pre-sale spots gone. So yeah. there will be spots uh um Although this might not even go up until it airs, it'll probably be all sold out by the time I'm gonna this try, airs. I'm going to try but. and release this uh, at midnight. So if you listen to okay. this between midnight and I think um, 10 a.m. Central Time, uh, yeah, there are going to be more spots. Yeah, there's, there's more a spots chance available. To get more more driving spots. Um, uh, Chris Chris tried to call me a little while ago. I was eating dinner. I don't know what he wanted to talk about, but he sounded a little bit stressed. Um, I think it's been a stressful day for poor Chris. Stewart. Yeah. Well, I've been on the on the Grid Life page, and I think at last count there were like two hundred and eighty something messages that came in. Oh gosh, really? So yeah. 
So oh, I don't, I don't know if that's individual people or if that's just, uh, you know, conversations back and forth, like whenever yeah. you receive a reply. Um, that's a lot of them. That's but yeah, so every time, like, I'll get a little notification on my phone today, I'm like, oh, cool, you know, somebody's doing something interesting to me. Uh, not, that, not that it's not interesting um, to yeah. me, but it's a grid life message. Like, oh, are you yeah. kidding me? I, I think I personally got probably 15 to 20 texts and about 15 to 20 Facebook messages about it. And, and everybody knows like, I'm not part of the ticketing yeah, <laughs> at all. So and I got, I got it, probably like 10 Facebook messages and maybe six it, or seven texts. It was a bit nuts. So, yeah. Um, it yeah, reminds so me of good, registering good for happening. classes, like registering for classes in college. I used to register online uh, yeah. and they opened everything up at like four in the morning. So you just ended up like staying up. Yeah. So that's what it reminds me of. Yeah. People, people were posting pictures on, you know, a lot of like five or 10 people on my Facebook feed posted pictures of them, like pulling over to the side of the road to register for grid life tickets. Yeah. I know. Or Andy, like, Andy looked like you stopped at like a Burger King, man. Andy Smedgard. Yeah. yeah. I saw that one. Going <laughs> yeah. high class at the Burger King. Yeah. The, it, the stupid grid life thing is really turning into, uh, that might actually be a series. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's going to be a, th- it's going to be a busy year, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're bringing a lot of contingency on board this year, which we can talk about later um, yeah. you know, in a future episode yeah. once we kind of solidify everything. That's uh, I got to talk to you about one of those that um, I should just let you handle because I think that might be technically your job. But It is. Um, but, you know, yeah. the way everything is right now, we're all kind of uh, whatever contacts we have. Uh, yeah. You know, we just kind of kind of uh <laughs> deal with it ourselves I, i've got like a handshake agreement kind of with uh with aem and i talked to uh lawson on the phone the other day i need to oh, send, nice i need to send uh you uh the things he needs and then maybe you can handle some of that but okay yeah for anyway, any of you out there that yeah. are you know run businesses or know of any businesses that might be interested in uh promoting themselves at the grid life events uh, you can get a hold of me at austin at gridlife.co yeah, dot so, C-O, not give, dot Yeah, com. dot C-O, not dot C-O-M. You can also copy Austin at tracktune.com just in case you accidentally put gridlife.com. Yep. Um, yeah, they, uh, there's a lot of stuff happening with that thing. It's going to be a fun year. We, they sold yeah. a lot of tickets today for, for the Atlanta event, too. So. Oh, yeah? Um, I think general admission stuff. That, that, that's what uh, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was open yet. Maybe maybe I misread the uh, the message wrong. I think that I was just general general admission for the Gingerman event. Oh, okay, just that one. Okay, so yeah, maybe maybe that's what GA meant, not Georgia. I'm or dumb. TGA. It'd be we sold tickets for the Greg and me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which is a great lowercase, show, by the way. Lowercase T. I'd buy I'd buy tickets t. to that show. Yeah, I would. Uh, I'd like to see anything that Greg and me does. Uh, Especially if it's got uh, the slip tuned or track angle around it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get random texts from people, slip tuned. <laughs> like, yeah, track angle. But, um, I guess yeah, we did it the, to ourselves, but. Yeah, we've got too many names and things going on. Yeah, speaking oh, of stuff well. going on, uh, I think in next Wednesday, I'm going to launch uh, this video that I started working on yesterday. Yeah, um, yeah. You, yeah, you showed I sent me, you, I sent you, you the, the, the teaser. Yeah, it's actually it's uh, our buddy Mike Taylor invited me out to uh, to Sonoma, yeah, for the lemons race, and yep. he was driving Balto, their snowmobile powered Miata. Yeah, so we did a, a little video on that that actually turned out really really good, especially for it's, a first video. 
It's like the coolest, weirdest car you've ever seen. Yeah. So um, it's uh, it's pretty neat. Yeah, it's such a unique car. And it's fast. It's real fast. Yeah. You wouldn't expect it with like such low power, but it's not slow. No. Um, I mean, I wonder, I wonder if I could build one of those and run it in like NASA time trials. I don't see any reason why you couldn't. So um, the the be, dyno numbers on it probably aren't very high either. Um, yeah. But what do, what do you think that what do you think something like that makes like a hundred horsepower of the wheels or something? I don't know to be honest, man. It almost couldn't. Like it's that doesn't seem like that it would be possible. I mean, even a hundred horsepower to the wheels though that's still like a stock Miata power. But it's also five hundred plus pounds lighter. Yeah. Um, Although stock me out of power, stock me out of power in lemons and chump is like a lot. Yeah. The coolest um, thing about be, that car, though, is the fact that it's a pull start. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that part of the video. <laughs> yeah. Especially like I, you know, I showed it to a couple people and they just like respond back like, oh, pull my thingy. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's the weirdest car. man. So it's, um, it's really cool, though. I want to I want to keep doing more stuff like that. I think that's the third time Mike has flown out from Georgia um, to race it out in California. Yeah, I know so he's, it, he's driven it a couple times. Yeah, you know it's got to be fun if if he's literally flown, you know, three, five, six-hour trips each way just to drive that car. <laughs> uh, very, so, very cool stuff, man. Yeah, so that, that um, should be out on Wednesday. Uh, next week I'm actually going to Long Road Racing um, in North Carolina with, okay. uh, with Sam Barnett. Uh, who was oh, on the cool. show at yeah with us at SEMA. So yeah. he's he's yeah. gonna take me up there because he knows those guys. So we'll do some video stuff hopefully and, and have awesome. them on a future show. Uh it's actually where they build all of the global MX five cup cars. So Yeah, they've got a regular assembly line going now. Yeah. And then probably gonna stop in and see Zach Skolnick at uh, Driven Steering Wheels too. Cool. So yeah. So I'm I'm gonna be gone for two or three days, but it should okay. be should be worth it. Um, and I'm, I'm actually look, looking forward to February. This is the first time I've looked forward to something in February in a long time. February is going to be I, so busy, man. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to the Great Lakes uh, Racing Expo, too. That should be a lot of fun. Yeah. So. You know, I just realized that um, this will be the first time in like four or five years that because uh, I'll be up there during my birthday, um, yeah. which I when I would not have Jessica and I would not have gone to uh, the melting pot. What's that? Uh, Jessica and I always go to the melting pot on my birthday, and I'm going to be We're, up there during my birthday, so I'm not going to be able it, to go. Is that the fondue? Is that a fondue place? Yeah. Oh, those are the stinkiest, longest meals. I love them. Oh, they're so good, man. So yeah. good. Yeah, those. That's not a bad way to eat a thousand, two thousand calories in over yeah. the course of two hours. And for any of our yeah. listeners, kind of in that local area, or maybe even Detroit, I know like Promo is talking about coming over. Um, okay. But uh, I think we're going to do a, a go karting event, so Adam and yeah, I need to but, need to work on that a little bit. But yeah, uh, have you figured out exactly what days you want to go? I haven't yet. Um, okay. I was thinking maybe like a Friday or a Saturday. If there's people coming over from you know from Detroit, we might need to have it yeah. on a Saturday. Saturday night's probably a busy night. At uh, I think the only one we really have here is K one speed. Now. Yeah, there's like two uh, K ones there. Um, but yeah, we, uh, we, we gotta make a few phone calls. Um, uh, our buddy Dill said that there are some, uh, like private back, like back room kind of thing setups there. Where we oh, could probably oh do a show. really? Yeah. Dill knows about all the private back rooms, <laughs> uh, or where we could, you know, potentially do a show unless we want to go to a local bar or a local restaurant. But yeah, um, 
Yeah, we, we got to do yeah, a, we don't, a we don't have to do carding. I think it'd be fun to just to kind of get everyone together and, and hang out. I think we but, have to. We totally have to. If, yeah. if we can, even even if we all just show up and we don't rent the place out, you know, that's um, true. But yeah, pr- probably ne- probably by the end of next week, we should have a date. Uh, we got to get that figured out. So yeah, it's coming up quick. Um, yeah, track angle, track yep. angle cart night, slip tuned. The, so I just uh, uh, the I sh- just put I just changed out my wheels too back on the wagon. What'd you put on there? Stock. Uh, stuff, I just put or? the stock, the stockers back on with the stock all seasons. Okay. So, but it rides so nice now back on 16s versus the 18s. Yeah, I believe it. A lot more tire. Yeah, it rides so nice, um, but it looks so goofy because they're so skinny, and with all the camber up front, they're just like really yeah. sunken in with how low the car is. You have any any kind of tread left on those or no? Yeah, I mean they um, they had thirty thousand miles on them when I took them off. I gave them to one of my friends when he popped a tire on his GTI. Yeah. So he ran them for a little bit. I mean, they still have a really, really decent tread left. Uh, you're fine for for the trip up here with those, then. Yeah, I think I'm gonna try and uh, try and make those work. I'll probably just rock those until uh, until the spring when I can run unless some, you get caught, some summer tires. I mean, unless again. you get caught in a terrible snowstorm, like literally terrible, you're gonna be fine. Um, yeah, I think so. And and you'll be able to handle bad all seasons in a snowstorm. I I drove my wife's car in a snowstorm the other day. Um, and it, and it made me buy her snow tires. She had probably, she had probably five or six year old also, you know, all seasons, just cheap ones on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a Honda Civic, just a boring auto Honda Civic appliance. And it was so undrivable. Even they got, they had good tread on them, but they were old and hard, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just bought her some, uh, some, some new Firestone, whatever the, I think it was Firestone. Uh, it is the, one of the snow tires, but. Okay. Um, and now it hasn't snowed. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've never actually owned a set of winter tires. They they can be they literally blow your mind. How like good when they I was are. up there, right. I just drove the truck around all the time, so yeah. I didn't you know I didn't need any. The yeah with a, with a F three fifty F two fifty you've got yeah, enough F-250, weight. And, yeah, you know that's there's enough weight, and that, you had a long one too. So yeah, that, yeah, uh, yeah, I do. <laughs> that's what she said. Uh, the the longer wheelbase you know, is, is you know real easy to fix. Uh, the, any kind of when I had the when I had the F two fifty that seven three is so heavy that I parked yeah. it in the same place in the driveway for like two years. Yeah, and it like rippled the driveway. Yeah, that'll so, happen. Yeah, it was ridiculous. Yep. Maybe it's because um, like in, down here in the south, I'm used to having concrete uh, yeah. for driveways and not asphalt, but. Yeah, if you had asphalt in Georgia, that would probably be a problem unless they put a lot of stone underneath that thing. Yeah, I think, yeah, asphalt in Georgia would just kind of like, it would just float on the surface and you'd step step yeah. on it in the in the summer and like just would like ripple across. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we, we have uh, the driveway at my dad's house. We, we paved it, we repaved it probably 15 years ago and we put... Uh, I think nine inches of stone down. Jeez! And then compacted it for three days because we parked big trucks on it, you know. Yeah. And it's it's the only driveway that gets long term parking that hasn't uh, had, no issues, you know, kind of no no waves or ripples or anything. But just like doing body work, man. It's all about the prep work. Yeah, yeah. A lot. Of, we put a lot of stone down, but um, yeah. I remember when I was eighteen, my dad had just bought his ninety nine F two fifty with the. It's got six hundred thousand miles on it now. Oh, nice. Um, and I drove that in like crazy snowstorm. And I remember getting on the highway and the back end stepped out on it. Mm-hmm. And I got and I got real panic because that, you know, is a brand new truck. 
Um, and then all you did was just goose it just a little bit. And that, you know, mile long truck, it, 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 it fixed the problem immediately. <laughs> it was so easy to drive, but the, uh, I've never had any kind of winter tire with a truck. I don't, I don't know how many people have, but I don't um, know. I, I, is that like the perfect combination? I, I think it would be unstoppable if you had the right tires on a truck, but they're already I did, pretty good. When I lived up there, it seemed like the, the Jeep uh, Grand Cherokee SRT8s were pretty popular, uh, especially yeah. among among the Polish dudes. Oh, you see those everywhere, yeah. Yeah, and I saw a couple of them with winter tires, and I just I can't imagine how much fun that thing would be. That would be a blast, man. Those have, what, like 400 horsepower? Something like that, maybe even more. Maybe. Yeah, that's that's the Hemi one, right? Yeah, which I think I saw in the news that they're they pledged that there'll be another one by 2017. They're uh, going to make a, that, a Hellcat, that long, huh? a Hellcat version. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Can you imagine that with 700 horsepower from That'd the be factory? So awesome! So awesome! That would be wild, man. But yeah, speaking of snow tires, uh, the have you you haven't lived until you've driven a lightweight Honda CRV with snow tires. Um, just go anywhere. Just, oh man, it's so fun. Uh, we had like a snow day. You know, the entire entire world shut down here like three years ago for like four days, and uh, I was like the only person in town, like just driving around. Oh, so fun! That that is quality driving, man. When you get a really really brutal snowstorm and you've got a little lightweight uh, all wheel drive car on snow tires, it's just a blast. You know what I really want to do? Uh, studded tires are actually legal in Georgia if the the conditions permit. Really? I kind of want to have some just like on standby for when it ices and just kind of go film videos <laughs> like downtown Atlanta once, just when the streets are empty. Once every three years, you might be able to use them for five hours. Yeah, they'll be fine. They, they, they probably are pretty brutal on the uh, pavement, but it's not your pavement. Well, yeah, but ours, you don't actually touch the pavement because what happens, like the snow hits and then in the day it, it melts and yep. then at, at night it refreezes into ice because like, we don't yep. have salt trucks down here. So, yeah, I remember yeah, that, a couple uh, years ago there was a bad storm and there were videos of people ice skating down the streets. It, it gets that rock solid. It can in certain places if there's a lot I of like if runoff. Get, yeah, if you get enough water, yeah. Yeah. Does it, does it freeze that hard, though? Like, does it get that cold? Yeah, it'll freeze. Like uh, 20 degrees or less? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we get oh, down wow. We get down into like the single digits. I didn't know that. Yeah. But what sucks I'm here is that when, when it's cold here, it's still humid. Yeah. And so it's like okay. a humid cold that you can't, it's like bone chilling. You can't bundle up against it. Yeah, you know, I'd rather are, it be zero degrees in Chicago than 20 degrees in Atlanta. Yeah. It's way, it'd be yeah. way more comfortable in Chicago at zero. Some, some of the coldest days here are when it like the last Saturday, the temperature dropped pretty fast. Um, and it was like raining 40 degrees and then it got down to like 15, 20 and I was, I was outside, you know, working and I was wet and it's dropping fast. Like around lunchtime, it went down to like probably 30 and it felt like it was about two degrees because I was wow. wet, and it was it was it was only probably like thirty twenty eight degrees, and I but I was all soaking wet because I was outside in the rain. Yeah, and it like that's bone chilling cold, man. That's no fun. <laughs> that's the worst conditions to be working outside. Yeah. Anyway, um, oh, we got something coming up. Uh, you wanna? We got to intro um, some new people uh, who might be doing a little bit of work for, or a little bit of audio for us yeah, I want so to, uh, so a couple well, of weeks ago when i was at i guess months now at super lap battle 
Yeah, um, one of the month, one yeah. of the uh, fellow photographers out there. His name is uh, Matt Veramontes. Um, you know, asked me if I'd be interested in him kind of doing some interviews occasionally out on the West Coast, and I said absolutely. Yeah. Um, so he actually sent me this first one that we're going to listen to here in a little bit um, with uh, a gentleman named Fei Long Tran. Uh, who's involved in Hot Import Nights and, you know, competes in Global Time Attack. He kind of has he kind of has this interesting mix between like show car and then like track car stuff. Um, so he yeah, has a, a it, very unique um, perspective on things. It, it's not it's not our you know, I listen to it. It's not our normal kind of uh, crowd. Typically, I don't think because we get a lot of people that are one or the other uh, at, you know, at most of your friends, if they're into car shows, that's what they're into. Or if they're into tracking or, uh, you know, time attack, that's what they're into. Right. This dude's into this dude's into both, and he came from the car show world. So it's a totally different perspective. Um, so so if any of our track rat buddies are listening to it, don't uh, don't be turned off. Just think of think of if, if you had came from a totally different perspective um, and you just got into, uh, you know, tracking and time attack and you know it's kind of, i think it's kind of a cool uh unique uh kind of interview so yeah um they have a totally different perspective than i've ever heard anybody talk about you know you don't hear show car guys getting into time attack and then doing both and he runs you know he runs hot import nights out there so. yeah he's pretty much the manager uh, now for hot import nights so yeah which is still a pretty viable big car show series so uh totally unique perspective and kind of a cool little interview so yeah, so uh, here's Matt Vermontes uh, interviewing Fei Long Tran. All right, so uh, I'm here with uh, Fei Long Tran, uh, what a time attack driver, uh, mechanic, hot import nights. Uh, what is it? West Coast regional show manager. Show manager, yeah. Uh, we're gonna be talking a little bit about uh, time attack and sort of about you know what it's like to be a driver in uh, global time attack right now. So uh, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I first started uh, getting into cars when I was uh, about sixth grade. I grew up in a family of a bunch of gearheads and uh, always wanted to help my uncles tinker with their cars, but obviously they didn't let me. And then as I got older, I just pursued the career through high school, through college. And uh, in, in the middle of my middle school, high school years, I got into an initial deal, which is a Japanese animation, also a arcade racing game. And that, that kind of get my uh, foot wet a little bit into racing, but, you know, in the virtual world. And um, when I was about 13, 14 years old, I uh, was in the arcade playing initial day, and uh, one of my friends stopped by and gave me a flyer to Hot Import Nights. And uh, look in the bag and said volunteers wanted, and that's how I got started with Hunter Poor Nights. Oh, nice! So I mean, it was all kind of a volunteer originally, you just you know helping yeah. out with like security or whatever it was. Uh, pretty much, I was uh, handling uh, uh, crowd control, passing out flyers, uh, grunt work, setting up chairs, setting up tables, tents. Oh, nice! And now you're regional manager and show manager, I should say. So what is that? So you sort of, what is that? You handle the shows or you uh, I handle mostly the, uh, the actual, you know, logistics side of the event. And also too, I oversee a lot of the judging. Okay. Okay. Um, and how did, and then how did you kind of get into time attack now? Time attack, uh, it really all started with, uh, Jason Deanhart. He was my original manager at um, Hot Import Nights, and as time progressed, uh, everybody moved on, split off, split off, and did their own thing. And I just stayed loyal to you know being you know being his uh, friend. All right, and um, 
you know, you've been racing now for what, three, four years in global? Or? Yeah, three, three seasons. Okay, three full seasons now. Um, tell me a little bit about your uh, current your current car. Uh, currently, right now, I have a 2013 Sun FRS. Um, got it in 2012, uh, May 31st, 2012. And then from there, just uh, branched off and uh, started modifying the crap out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, it's pretty heavily modified now. I mean, you've got what splitters, brakes. I mean, is there anything left that you haven't done that you need to do to the car? Yeah, uh, interior. <laughs> interior is still kind of stock. Uh, I have a roll cage. That's that's that that's pretty much it for the interior. Well, you kind of need that. That's essential. We're going racing here at this point. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but uh, I would love to have seats. I would love to have uh, you know harnesses. Um, okay, so it's just your stock interior right now, um, and the car, like I said, the car is pretty heavily modified. I mean, you've done what now? Can you kind of list sort of the, some of the modifications you got on there? Uh, yeah, um, right now I have uh, AP Racing brakes in the front, um, carbon fiber hood trunk from Saibon. Um, I have uh, white lines, sway bars, bushings. Uh, but currently, right now the the uh, suspension is on uh, Apexi's um, EXV uh, coilovers. Uh, JDL Auto Design Twin Scroll uh, Turbo Kit with a uh, Garrett GTX uh, 30. Oh, nice. And I mean, that definitely, obviously, the turbo really helped with the power band, right? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, mid range. Uh, getting out of a turn quicker is, was the goal for the turbo kit. Okay. Um, and then suspension, you obviously said the Apex. Are you on full coilover or are they yeah. just. Okay, full coilover. Okay. Multi way adjustable or just a single? Uh, I believe it's multi way adjustable. Yes. Okay. And, you know, the cars out of the box, I mean, these cars are pretty well balanced, but I mean, obviously you've done this specifically for track. I mean, uh, but, you know, is it is it still one of those things when you got the car originally? I mean, how did it feel compared to what it feels now as far as, you know, being able to handle turns and stuff like that? Is it, was it it's out of the box still a good handling car or is it now, you know, definitely obviously it's progressed? Out of the, straight off the manufacturer production line, it's a great, it's a great base. It's a great car to work with. Uh, definitely hugs the ground. It's very smooth throughout the whole turn. Only thing it lacks in is uh, power. Okay. Very under power for uh, for what it is. Right. And so now, obviously, you've well, we've raced full, three full seasons now in global. Um, any track in particular you just you love to race on? Right now, currently, my favorite track would be Bud Willow. Uh, that track itself, it's very it's it's technical, but not too but not so much, and it's also very forgiving. There's room for error. Right, home of uh, Super Lap every year, obviously. Yep. Um, what's your best time there now? I mean, as of right now, my best time is two minutes and seventeen seconds. I would like to get that down to about. If I get down to close to two minutes, you know, I'll be happy. I'll be a happy camper at that point. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that obviously that's a pretty flying lap at that track too. Yeah, it's for your class. Um, and the car is actually set up for what class right now in the global? Uh, as of right now, the way the car sits, it is uh, classified as limited due to uh, not having a catalytic converter. But uh, I would like to get the car, I mean, once I put the cat, the cat back on, then it will bump back down to a street class. Okay. And I mean, that's so that's what you're aiming for is street? Yeah. Okay. Um, street rear-wheel drive, obviously, because um, it is a, a rear-wheel drive car. Um, you know, currently, I mean, how many of you have done what now? It's obviously three seasons, so let's... Got almost eight eight events now, or well, I should say four events each year, right? Uh, roughly, yeah. Yeah. In the pro am series, not the pro, right? Yeah, pro am series. Okay. Um, any plans to move up to pro? I would like to one day, but as of right now, I do not feel confident in my own skills. So uh, until I until I improve on upon that, 
I'm strictly striking. Uh, I'm staying strictly to uh, pro am series. Okay. Yeah, and the pro. I mean, the pro am is obviously that's what that's what Jason set it up for was you know to have sort of this entry level class where you know guys who just didn't feel comfortable could go and run, um, and not have to be sort of out there with the big dogs and holding them back, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, and have you felt that the you know the as far as the pro am series, have you felt that it's a real help for you, or is that I mean not just to say help, but I mean it's they're fun to do. Yeah, uh, within the community itself. The well, with, with just in general, regardless of pro am or uh, or the pro championship, the community itself, we're all there to have fun. We're all there to help each other out. Uh, big shout out to Tony Zerka. He really taught me a lot. He was pretty much my instructor for uh, the first two seasons. He taught me things that I didn't think I could learn on my own and broaden my horizon. Uh, other than that, the entire GTA family, everybody there, we're all helpful. We all love each other to death. Yeah, I mean that's I know that's what almost every driver who runs Global Time Attack says right now is that it's not really so much about going out there and competing as it is going out there and hanging out with family and friends, which is kind of what the the events turn into is a bunch of family and friends that are, you know, obviously still competing at the end of the day. I mean, I think that's would you say that's probably one of the biggest attra- attractions to that to that um series right now? Yeah, and you know, it's all grassroots. Everybody comes from you know the the you know how how they used to do it back in the day, and we're all again. You know, it is still a competition. We're all there to compete and beat each other's time or get the best record. But uh, like you said, at the end of the day, we're all there to have fun, and it's, it's all it's it's just all love. Yeah. Um. So, what's your future plans for the car? I mean, any any big upgrades coming near in the future, or you know, because it is off season right now. Obviously, um, weather's kind of colded up, and it's, we're getting we're actually getting rain out here in California. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Currently, right now, the plans for the vehicle. Uh, I do uh, plan on putting in uh, a, a wing designed by Crazy Engineering, a setup a setup like a APR uh, style wing. Uh, uh working on uh, building the motor up for the boost. Doing a uh, fuel pump, injector, clutch, just uh, kind of all supporting upgrades for the turbo. Oh, nice. Okay. And you mentioned crazy engineering now. I mean, for your wing, obviously. And they, I noticed they had a couple other parts on the car right now. I think it was a splitter and diffuser, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- and those are very aggressive parts. I mean, they did some awesome work, it looked like. I mean, how long, how many hours would they have invested in those uh, parts, really? Uh, we spent an entire week uh, pretty much uh, designing, cutting, uh, drawing it all out, and mounting it. Oh wow, and it's full custom, right? Yeah, it's a the rear diffuser I have and the front splitter that I have. It's only designed for the kit that I have, which is the uh, Wald International uh, Aero uh, Aero kit for the Cyan FRS. Right, and that that was a small. I guess you call it a wide body, right? Or is it more of a? It's. I mean, I guess from uh, from a third person perspective, it could be a wide body, but it's just an add on. Okay. There's no. There's really no cutting involved for the body kit. Oh, nice. So it's just a bolt. It's, it's sort of it's bolts all bolts on. on. Yeah. Oh, nice, nice. So no real modif- super modification. There. It, it gives it, it. It gives it that look of a wide body, which is cool. Okay. You know? Okay. <clears throat> and you know, so now your class. I mean, obviously, it's 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 street real wheel drive. People want to say limited. Yeah. Well, it <laughs> is street, limited right now. Yeah, yeah. But it's street real wheel drive, and you know, what are the sort of your limitations in that class besides you know. You know, Arrow, obviously, I know there's so many limitations there, but what limits you in that class, sort of? What's the big limiters? For uh, street wheel drive? Yeah, what's your big classifications, like what you have to do or what, what actually sends you out of class, obviously, besides the cat? Uh, besides the cat, you know, you just still want to keep the interior uh, relatively close to stock. Um, obviously, uh, OEM glass, 
the front splitter and rear diffuser were designed around the rules of street wheel drive, no more than five inches uh, uh, extended from the uh, from the original bodywork. Okay. Yeah, and then you've got you know the tire tire size, tire, right. tire size, right? Yeah, and that's that's a big one with I think a lot of the, with mainly in global time tech, tire size sort of limits the class. tire size and also to um, the tread wear. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, and how sticky the tires are. Yeah, and what what tires are you running on the car right uh, now? Right now it is uh, Toyota tires uh, proxy T one Sport tread wear is uh, two forty running. Uh, 245 in the front and uh, 275 in the back. Okay. So you're a staggered setup on that car then? Yeah. Okay. And I mean, have you noticed definitely, I mean, performance gains on the staggered or was it a sort of a lacking or were, I should say, was the staggered uh, helping you out or do you more, because I know a lot of guys like to go with a square setup. Yeah. I mean, of course, you know, everybody tells me a square setup is always better and coming, driving the from driving the car on the track from stock to now, uh, I can honestly say that the square setup was better. Um, definitely improved on uh, a quicker time, but uh, the reason why I went with the uh, stagger setup is obviously due to it's still a show car. Uh, Want to give that wider look in the rear, and uh, from my own personal experience, I believe uh, with the stagger setup, the rear end stick tend to sticks to the ground a little more off, a uh, little more than it is to uh, whip it out. Okay, yeah, and then you now the platform we we obviously established. I mean, it's a great platform for anybody to start with. Um, is there any sort of difficulty you've ran into it? You know, problems that have sort of arised that you've seen as a limiting on the platform yet or no? Um, besides power, obviously. Yeah, besides power, particularly for uh, the efforts, the Sign FRS or Super BRZ, the motor wasn't designed for boost. Okay. So the longevity of the motor is only going to last for about, you know, at most three years under boost unless you actually build the motor up upon it. Um, and then overheating is another issue too. Uh, the only track I've, I've actually had problems with overheating is uh, – Streets of Willow and uh, Big Willow. Well, obviously, because they're in the desert. I mean, that's 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 one of those tracks where it's just it's so hot every year. Yeah. It doesn't matter what. I mean, unless of course we're running right now, obviously. But we always manage to run that track in what August when it's like 112 out. Yeah. God. And uh, unfortunately, with my with the current setup, I can get maybe. If I'm lucky, I get about maybe two laps in before it starts to overheat. Yeah. And that's what, uh, with the crazy engineering, that's what we designed the uh, front splitter for. Pretty much, uh, it, we cut louvers underneath the panel to help uh, vacuum, uh, create a vacuum to, uh, to, to for the heat to escape. All right. And um, so you obviously you're set up to go for next year. Um, I mean, are you going to try to make it to all the events next year or uh, any particular one you're looking for. Obviously, Jason hasn't announced every single event. We've only gotten a couple Pro-Am events, but you know, it's the goal to make it to every single West Coast uh, Pro-Am event. Yeah, uh, for def uh, definitely for uh, 2016. I uh, would like to have the car attend all uh, four uh, events for the Pro-Am series. Uh, one of them I'm definitely looking forward to is uh, Button Willow. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, obviously shows in between here and there with um, with Hot Import Nights and other and other local area shows right yeah okay and i mean do you find it hard to sort of split your time between the racing the shows and just standard work you know all around uh not so much uh as of, currently not so much as of right now since the car is pretty much almost done okay. and i use that term very loosely because you know as as every enthusiast and every tuner knows there's no such thing as done yeah you know, we, there's all we always find an excuse to do something else to the car yeah uh but uh for the most part the car is show ready it's race ready, um, and uh, it doesn't really get much in the way for me. And if and if it does, you know, as you know, someone who is passionate in the in the scene in the, in the industry, you'll always find time. You always make time, you know, right. especially you know during SEMA, SEMA time. You know, there's 
You're, there's no sleep. <laughs> has the car made it to SEMA yet? Uh, yeah, the car has attended SEMA 2012, 13, and 14, three years in a row. Oh, nice. Uh, this year, unfortunately, it didn't make it. Oh, not enough room in the booth or just uh, no, not enough time for you? There was, there was, unfortunately, there was just a, a really high, uh, high competition just to get the car to SEMA. Oh wow! So they were really, uh, really picky this year, unfortunately. But you know, it's okay. You know, there's always next year. Yeah, and I mean, SEMA is always one of those events I, I still have yet to get to. I'm hoping to get to it next year. But I mean, I know you've gone what now almost every year in the last five or six years. Obviously. Four. I've gone. Uh, my first year at SEMA was in 2012, and um, from there, I've just uh, I've, I've been for the past four years now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's it's just an awesome event. Just for, I think for the experience. I mean, every time I see pictures of it, I just I'm like, God, I wish I was there. <laughs> it's definitely a uh, an experience. You know, It'll open up your eyes to a whole world of uh, of different uh, different kind of builds, um, how other people see their cars, and uh, just different styles. Yeah, and I mean that's the, the nice thing I think with SEMA lately is I've noticed a lot of the Time Attack cars have sort of made the transition as pulling double duty for show cars. I mean, have you sort of noticed the industry doing that sharp turn back towards automotive racing lately? Yeah. Um, for, a, for a lot of the community, I have seen people go from show car to race car and then from race car dabble into show as well. And then, of course, with my build, I, I originally built my car based upon for an individual to have a decent show car that can display that could, that could be put on display to compete and also have a have a platform that can be used on the track. Yeah, sort of that looks good but goes fast. Yeah. Nice. And that's and that's I I love that because it's it's one of those things that I feel I'd like to see more of. You know, I'm not I don't have anything against the Hellflush guys or the the guys who go all out into the paint and stuff. I mean, I definitely appreciate the skill it takes to get it there but i mean i feel like racing's just sort of taking a back seat lately yeah and i'd love to see some more guys come back into it well you know again going back into within the within the scene and the community itself you know it's just based upon every enthusiast every uh person every tuner who you know decides to build a car which direction they want to go in the beginning and for a lot of people that always ask me you know or like you know how do they go about you know building a car i tell them straight up it's either a you know you either go all show all race or you do a little bit of both a little bit of both you know tends to take a little bit more of your time right um and there's obviously you said like you said the car's got a lot of upgrades on it any um big future ones that you need to besides the wing that you need that need to get done on the car or is it pretty much done uh the wing the interior obviously uh building up the the motor to handle the boost uh again with the supporting mods the clutch uh, uh fuel injectors uh, fuel pump uh We'd like to go E85 one day, but uh, in terms of a big modification, I would like to do maybe within the next uh, two to three years, uh, dropping a V8. Oh, okay. Oh, you're looking to go LS or are we talking uh, no, Toyota? I'm keeping it within the family. I'm okay. Going, I'm going, uh, I'm planning on doing a uh, Lexus ISF V8. Oh, nice. That'll be different. Yeah, so will far. it fit? It will fit. <laughs> already taking measurements, haven't you? It, well, not just that, but then also, too, it's been done once already. Uh, Drift Guy or? Yeah, Drift Guy. I think it's, uh, I forgot his name. Okay. But, uh, yeah, it's been done once. That'll be a, that would be definitely a big power adder on that one. And you get your low, you keep your low torque, obviously. Yeah. So, um, yeah, pretty much with that, with that plan, with that project, uh, do, uh, 
I want to be, I want to find somehow some way to utilize the the stock uh, FRS transmission and marry that to the ISF V8. Okay, some kind of adapter plate. Yeah. Okay. And then um, if, if if I can get that off the ground, then I would like to uh, redo the body design and uh, slap on the uh, the the damned um, LFA body kit. Okay. And then call it a mini LFA. <laughs> Kind of a poor man's LFA. It, it really does look like a poor man's LFA, even though out of the box. I mean, the car, I've heard a lot of people refer to it as the poor man's LFA already because just sort of the except uh, the looks almost. Minus uh, six cylinders. Yeah. And the and it's flat. No, no, <laughs> yeah. not, not inline. Not inline. And uh, speaking of inline, I mean, you come from an inline background, right? I mean, you've you grew up in the Honda community, right? Yeah. I um, mean, so the, the flat four is a different motor than what you're used to working on, right? Yeah. Um, I can honestly say, you know, as uh, as a former student, as a you know a fresh uh, mechanic in the in the industry, I'm still learning every day, and uh, and I would like to broaden my uh, my knowledge more upon the uh, flat four engines. Yeah, I mean, have you noticed to be a is it a different style of engine for you? I mean, as far as like the way it delivers power compared to what you were getting out of your flat your or your not your flat um, your uh, NY motors. Uh, honestly, I can't say how I can go about understanding the power delivery, but I do know for a fact that it's a little bit more tedious to work on. Okay, just because of the motor design and being yeah getting stuff in and out of it. Yeah, I mean that it's yeah it's not it's not pleasant when you have to drop the motor to do a lot of stuff. I guess. Uh yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but I mean, it's um and then. Like you said, the motor obviously is different than what you're used to, but you're running it for the um, – because it came with the car, obviously. Yeah, but one of the best things about the car, again, is uh, the lower center of gravity. Uh, having it, you know, hug the ground off the production line is probably one of the best attributes of the car, you know, out of the manufacturer. Yeah, and Toyota really, really helped out with that car. I mean, that car is just awesome out of the box. I mean, Subaru and Toyota really did a great job designing it, you know, for enthusiasts. Um, and I mean – would you say it's like you said? We said it's a great platform to for people to start. Um, have you noticed a lot of the community coming into that car for for Time Attack or no? Yeah, uh, there's definitely a big uh, move within the California itself, NorCal in Southern California, uh, within the uh, Sign FRS Super BRZ community. Um, they they themselves have their own um, uh, Time Attack series called the '86 Cup. Okay, and it's a it's pretty big. Um, I mean, and then have you ran any of those events or? No. But you've been out to a couple of them. Right? Uh, I've actually never been. I've oh, actually really? never okay. been to any of the A6 Cups. A lot of people always ask me to go. They've always invited me to go. But, you know, for me, I'm I'm pretty loyal to uh, Jason D. Hart and the Global Time Attack series. So. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, now obviously, Time Attack, we've got the four events. They're down SoCal this year. Um, any, I mean, I know, I know, I haven't talked to Jason. If any plans to come back to the Northern California, is there any track in particular you would love to run, whether it be Time Attack or just in general, um, right now? Yeah, um, so far the only track that I've really ran within the Northern California area is uh, Thunder Hill, the original configuration before they uh, expanded. But uh, I've been, I, w- I would, I've been to uh, Infineon twice. Uh, once at Redline and the other one at uh, for the uh, first uh, Global Time Attack in 2011 at uh, Infineon, but obviously I didn't run it. Um, but I would like to run it one day, and um, I, w- I definitely would love to see Global Time Attack come back up to the Bay Area. 
uh, most ideal would be Thunder Hill. That, that currently right now that track is very popular among uh, a lot of the community, and uh, maybe one day uh, see uh, Global Time Tech come to uh, Laguna Seca. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, definitely. You know, get it back up here in Northern California where it's you know it's not. We haven't seen a Time Attack event up here, at least from Global, in, God, what is it, three or four years now? Uh, 2011 was the yeah. last time, yeah. Yeah. So it was actually the first and the last first time. First and last time, <laughs> yeah. For the, for the Global Time Attack event in 2011, it was a half you know, Time Attack event, but it was also half uh, a car show. Yeah, it was also half lake on the track. <laughs> yeah, a little wet. <laughs> a little wet, yeah. Uh, for those, I mean... We obviously talk about California and everybody's always, it's sunny, it's sunny, or it's sunshine all the time. And it's like, not in Northern California. We get rain. <laughs> well, thankfully, we've been getting good. rain for the past, I don't know how, how, I don't know how many. Uh, at least three or four days, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, we're obviously, we need the rain up here in the, you know, in the Bay Area. Southern California gets rain all the time. <laughs> <laughs> for, for at least from what I know. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, but, um I would like to, uh, yeah, I definitely would like to see Global Time Attack come back up to the Bay Area again. Only issue is that a lot of the, uh, a lot, of, a lot of the people up here, a lot of the drivers, aren't really all that confident to uh, race uh, within the uh, Global Time Attack series for the tracks up here. So it's kind of hard to get a a group of people together to justify Global Time Attack to come back up to the Bay Area. Yeah, I mean, I know there's not a lot of drivers up here. I wish there was more. I, I mean. Do you feel like a lot of the guys are missing out as far as the tuner community goes on Time Attack? I mean, because I know Time Attack went from being huge in the industry like, like you know, almost six, seven years ago when we used to have, um, you know, the the guys from Japan that would come over and run. And now it's kind of dwindled off again, but I've noticed it coming back. I mean, but yet I still feel like we need more people. Definitely. Know? We, you know, we the this time attack scene itself could always use more people right you know it just depends upon the people's budget right you know and some people like you said you know there's different builds some people you know go the hello flush route they just you know all stanced out some people do the all show route and then there's some people you know like you know you and i that do the time attack and show at the same time uh, but again you know it goes back to their budget how they want to go about uh with their bill what's their goal um but truthfully it's it's really the budget that comes into play the hardest because, you know, let's be realistic. Time attack itself on all on its own is you know, an, an investment. Yeah. It's time investment. It's definitely a big investment on your wallet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, but that's any, any, any tuner is going to say, you know, it's any cards of investment, obviously. Um, is there any, I mean, would you like to see the guys from over Japan and Australia come over and you know, run? Yeah. I mean, an event? who wouldn't, you know, who, who wouldn't like to see them in person, you know, and we can obviously uh, pick off their brand and see how they go about, yeah. you know, you know, negotiating the track. You know, it's always it's always good to learn from each other. Yeah, I mean, there's some wild builds going on out there, you know, over overseas definitely this year, um, especially in Australia with World Time Attack going. And then of course, you know, we got a uh, Suzuki over in um, Japan with that that just insane S14. Yeah, I mean, um, have you noticed that the any sort of changes or you know in in time attack that have recently happened now uh changes in terms of oh just like as far as like the community if you notice more people coming in i mean has I mean, the events definitely grown recently as far as i know the, the attendance but have you noticed like you know as far as sponsors or um drivers i mean have you noticed anybody sort of making that crossover to run try to run this and other events oh yeah no for sure so 
you know, within within the global time attack itself, you know, versus the time attack world in general, uh, I, I have seen an increased amount of uh, drivers who are, you know, t you know, taking the time to come out to it, come out to the event and actually, you know, putting their show car or daily car, you know, to you know, to to, uh, to the test. And one of the best things about global time attack is that you don't need to have a full on race car to have fun. You know, that's what they have the enthusiast class, you know, for for people to enjoy. You know, even you know somebody who just bought a car off the dealership lot can can take their car to the to global time tech and race yeah and, and definitely be competitive yeah that's the big thing i mean I, I that's where i'm aiming for i know you know and i know a lot of the other guys you know who are just looking to get in and the enthusiast class is a great class i mean even the street classes there's a lot of competition in there right now i mean that field's got to be i think them and the limited are the, they outnumber the yeah they outnumber un the unlimited guys now i mean i mean I, I start off enthusiast just like anybody else who uh, first gets into time attack and for a while I almost didn't want to leave enthusiast because I was so comfortable in that in, in that class but the thing with time attack and the thing with you know as a, you know as a, as a driver improving upon your skill is that you have you cannot be afraid to venture off into different regions and try new things and improve upon your skill because once you're comfortable you just kind of stay flat. And have you noticed that it's a great climbing the ladder is a great way to start? You know, is it great? Would you suggest somebody starting in enthusiast and moving up from there, or is it you know is, instead of jumping you know full bore and going unlimited or limited? Well, right again, it, it, it just goes back to the person's uh, capabilities and, and their knowledge and their skill. You know, for me personally, um, I had very little to no knowledge of uh, time attack when I first got in, so enthusiast class opened up that opportunity for me to learn. You know, so for you know, for anybody else that would ask me that question, I was I would strongly suggest start off enthusiast and work your way up. There's no better way to learn and piggyback off of other drivers and and get 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 a feel for what they know, and take that in and apply it to yourself. Okay, I mean, have you and you've obviously now doing it for three seasons. Have you noticed yourself as far as your times really really improve over the last couple of years? Uh, definitely. Um, improve quite a bit considering uh, from enthusiast till now um, but again I'm always willing to learn more and I always want to improve upon myself as a skilled driver right um, so the you know obviously so it's winter time right now so the car is going to be sitting for a couple more months um, any plans on getting some practice time in here at some local track days or primarily just going to wait until the season starts back up in a couple more months truthfully uh the only time i really get practice in is during a global time tech event uh i i rarely ever venture off into any other uh um time tech series or any track days uh just because of uh you know my daily uh schedule it just it doesn't really work out too well and also too to find time uh, to uh you know get the car out there and get it ready so Global time tag for me, it's it's perfectly set the way it is right now, where it spaces out throughout the year. It's not it's not all like this weekend is going to happen, this next week is going to happen. Yeah, no, you know, for yeah, me, I, I don't want really have the time for that. Yeah, it's not a NASA series where you've got like every other weekend there's an event. We've got a couple months in between to sort of repair the car, and I mean that's and that's kind of one of the things with you. You're not you're a privateer, so you I mean you're a one man show, aren't you? Essentially, yeah, you know, I'm my own. Mechanic, I'm my own driver, I'm, I'm my own whatever, you know, whatever. Own you spokesperson, own yeah. everything, you know. And, you know, again, you know, everybody has to start from somewhere, you know. Yeah. Like, I, when I first got, when I first started, you know, getting into time attack, I was telling myself, crap, I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need a crew, I'm gonna need a truck and trailer, and this and that. And, you know, after a while, I was like, you know what? 
to hell with it. You know, just go out there, have fun, and build upon it. You know, I mean, maybe one day I might have my own crew. Maybe one day I might have, you know, my own truck and trailer. But for now, I'm I'm perfectly fine the way it is. You know. Yeah, just being that sort of go out there on a weekend and run. Yeah. One way you'd run. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. And now, do you? I mean, obviously, having a crew would be nice. But I mean, it's. Is there some satisfaction you get out of about saying, you know, when somebody goes up, you know, oh, who helped to build the car? You get to say, oh, I did it, you know? Well, I can't really say that right now because I've, I owe a lot to a lot of my friends, uh, owe a lot to my family for being very patient with me with the build and uh, obviously my sponsors. If it wasn't for my sponsors, I wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Um, and definitely, you know, a lot of my friends, personal friends that, Helped me uh, throughout, you know, my my entire career so far within this industry. Um, if it weren't for them, I wouldn't have no direction. So I owe a lot to a lot of people. Okay, uh, and sponsorship. Now, I, I mean, I know a lot of guys say you have to have a sponsor to run, and time and heck. And I granted, I get, I believe it would definitely help. Um, it, did you find the sponsors were hard to get for Time Attack, or was it just more along the lines of? As long as I presented myself as a as a viable option, I was it was okay. In general, being gaining sponsorship is just like getting a job. You know, you have to sell yourself. You, you know, a lot of these companies they want to see a candidate that's really active within the industry, that's a go getter, that's out there. You know, attending shows, attending races, validating their products. You know, putting their product on display. And just, you know, an overall person that can help get the word of those products out to the community. Okay. I mean, and, it's, and that's, I guess that's what any, anybody can always ask for. I mean, and it's sponsors, I mean, they're, you got to satisfy them, right? Yeah. You know, so. it's, it's, not, it's not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. Yeah. You know, even more so as, 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 you know, from someone who is sponsored, I would say, you know, it's always better to over-exceed what your sponsor's expectations are. Okay. Definitely. You know, definitely keep them happy because at the end of the day, without them, you know, it's going to be a long, tough road. Yeah, definitely hard. I mean, I know those guys who are not sponsored. Some of those guys, it's just like, you know, hey, it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but, for the people who are not for for the people who are not sponsored and they have all the, they have the the monetary means to go about time attack or shows or whatever, I give them all the more power. You know, all the more power to you, bro. Because you know, I wish I can honestly say that I you know put out out of my own pocket all this stuff. Yeah, but I mean it's that's the but that's also the the industry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know you gotta have the, you gotta have that help. And I mean there, now obviously you've got some unique sponsors on there. Obviously Crazy Engineering, um, and uh, who was again for the uh, the header? Uh, uh, for the uh, turbo manifolds, uh, JDL Auto Design. Yeah, I mean and these you know the, those guys are making some a lot of them are making some one off parts for the car. Yeah, but a lot of them I mean are they is there anybody doing some R and D on the car right now? Uh, on the on my FRS right now. Yeah, uh, there really isn't much R and D going on right now. Okay, but um, hopefully within the next year or so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and then those and those sponsors that are you gotta give a particular shout out to. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, one of you know, I have a you know a laundry list of you know sponsorship and uh, it's it's, it's kind of hard for me to name all of them, but uh, I tell you right now, uh, Imperial Works. Uh, they help. They help me out a lot with the bodywork of the car. Uh, again, crazy engineering with the aero, uh, equilibrium tuning. Uh, Ed, he's done fabulous work on tuning the car, getting it ready for the race. Uh, Ecotech Race Rom. They're located in England. Without them, there's there'll be no management for the car. Um, turbo by Garrett. Without them, there will obviously be no turbo for the car. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. again with JDL Auto Design for the turbo manifold. Uh, Mishimoto for cooling. 
shout out to Toyo Tires. With obviously, tires is a big thing. You gotta need attack. those tires. Need those tires in time attack. Yeah. White line for the suspension. Cybon carbon for uh, the carbon fiber. Um, essentially, all my sponsors, they're all equally important to me. Nice. You know? I mean, and they're they're obviously they've helped the car get to where it is today. Yeah. I mean, and that's that's where we all want to be. You know. Um, obviously, thank you for your time. Yeah. You no know, problem. definitely. Um, Hope to see you out on track uh, next couple months, right? Yeah, hopefully. Okay, definitely. Thank you, man. All right. All right, we're back. Um, this is Adam and uh, Austin. Are you still there? I am. Hey, buddy. Um, yeah, we uh, had kind of a unique perspective there. Different. Uh, you don't hear about that very often. Somebody with a wide body, you know, big wing, all this kind of stuff. Actually, I think he's putting a wing on now. But, yeah, yeah, and that um, you know, going to going to that V eight. Um, yeah, that sounds be, like it be, could be an interesting car. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, he. Yeah, he it, said it, that's a, been done before. Uh, is that like a, a Ryan Turk thing? No, I think Ryan Turk. Both of his are. I think both of his are two JZs. Oh, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah, he's got, he's got Toyota power in, I think his are, I think his are Subarus or, okay. uh, um, uh, I don't know if his are Scions. Maybe they are Subarus. I don't you know, remember. for, for a while, you know, I kind of thought when he said go V8, you know, my mind having been in the million mile Lexus recently, I was like, Oh, maybe he'll do a one UZ, but I mean, yeah. the one UZ really doesn't make a whole lot of power. Yeah. And it's really old motor. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, but so uh, so is the LS man. The LS is an old motor too. Yeah, I guess LSs came out in ninety nine, no ninety seven, ninety seven. Yeah. The first LSs, yeah. I think. So, um, yeah, that it, kind of a unique little interview. So, yeah. anybody still with us here? Uh, we appreciate you listening. <laughs> yeah, and uh, great interview, yeah, Matt. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, don't disparage you, the car show guys because they might be your time attack competitors in the future. You know, don't yeah. uh, don't beat them up too bad. Every it's the same <laughs> in my in my opinion, it's the same disease. It's like a different symptom. You know, so yeah, it's it's just a different um, strand. It's it's all the flu, and it's just a different strand of the flu. It, it, it's the worst flu you can have. <laughs> <laughs> there is no um, cure. No, it it's well, it, there is a cure. It's it's getting divorced and she takes all your money. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, real That's, quick before uh, we go, you know, they had that Powerball drawing uh, recently for one point yeah. five billion. Um, yeah. What would you have done with the money? What would I have done with the money? Um, the first, my first thing would have been to buy Gingerman Raceway. Yeah. Um. And then probably uh, hire all my coolest friends to come live there. And all we do is run the track. Uh, we rent it out a little bit. We play on it. We put up lights all the way around it. Um, I mean, think about and, it. One point five billion. You could spend a million dollars a day for the rest well, of your life. Well, but this is only the it's only the first racetrack I'm buying. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, we we would get it real set up and have a good community there, and then we get a good manager running it, and then we buy the next one, and we can play with it anytime we want, and and then we still have one point four nine nine billion left. So I I don't know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I buy maybe, a lot. Of, maybe I buy my a maybe my math. Cars. I think my math was wrong. I don't think you could spend a million dollars a day for the rest of your life. You could spend darn near it though. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'd buy a lot of racetracks, and uh, and I Actually, would try I think to run it'd only them very be, well. Wouldn't it only be like 150 days? No, 500. I don't even know, man. 
All well, I know I think, is that if they split it up evenly, I will get four point three three million dollars. Yeah, I know. Poverty <laughs> solved, right? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> yep. Math fail. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think I've ever bought a lottery ticket. Maybe like a silly state lottery ticket in Ohio when we were riding BMX bikes going to Chenga World uh, yeah. when I was 17. You know, I, I bought lottery I, tickets on my 18th birthday. And then yeah. I did. I went and bought them again, uh, you know, this week. Uh, pretty oh, much for the same some? reason that, that Greg and me uh, went and bought them. Yeah, um, just because uh, then you don't have to worry about what if, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a lot of damn money, though, man. That is a freaking lot of money. But, yeah, I don't I know, don't know. I, I, what I would do. I don't know. I, I, uh, I'm trying to think. That's a lot of Miatas, man. Yeah, it's so. It's all of the Miatas. That's a whole. Yeah, I could buy. I could buy every single Miata in the world. I, 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 I read somewhere on one of the forums that uh, you could probably, you literally could probably buy all the Miatas. Uh, and somebody said, "How about cr- you? You buy a Miata and you just crash one every day." <laughs> Even then, like I'm pretty sure that you you would run out. Yeah, there, you'd probably buy all the Miatas and not be out of money. There can't yeah. be that many Miatas. But anyway, yeah, I it, I don't think it pays to dream about what you do when you win the lottery. It's probably just better to go out and uh, continue on with your regular life. Yeah, although if you it's did fu- buy all the Miatas, you could artificially inflate the prices. And then, you know, you might be a double your money, Miata, dude. The Miata is more expensive <laughs> than, than the 911 is. Yeah, you could double your money. Yeah. You could, well, at, and at that rate, you could probably pay Magnus Walker to buy a few of them and put multicolored body panels and numbers on them. There and you then, go. You'd ha- then you'd have $100,000 Miatas right away. Signature so. editions. You know, where, yeah. if you had all the Miatas in the world, where would you put them? I don't know. You probably have to buy a lot of racetracks. Yeah, to put them yeah, at. yeah. You just like buy the racetracks and their parking lots at that point. Yeah, you can pull that off. That uh, yeah, that probably wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, I bet you could buy most of the good racetracks in the country for that much money, or you know, probably all of them. Darn near all of them. Yeah, you'd have a, a monopoly. Uh, yeah, and then and yeah. then you'd own the rights to all the tracks, and you could build an actual monopoly board with just racetracks. You know, racetracks, and then, like, you use actual cars, and you go around the board and buy your racetracks. Your mind goes in some strange places, dude. It does, <laughs> but I think that, you know, I might pay I for that. It. I might pay for that. Yeah. It'd be like, uh, it'd be like uh, One Lap of America by Parker Brothers. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, Monopoly, One Lap of America. Except, except we wouldn't be doing one lap. It'd just be, you know, multiple, multiple laps. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of tracks in the. I think there's like seventy or eighty road race tracks in the in the country. Ah, would we would we be driving NASCARs though? Because you're going in the same circle all the time in the game. I have no idea. I don't either. <laughs> I think you could probably go any direction you want if you had one and a half billion dollars. <laughs> um, I think it's I think it's too late. I'm uh, probably going to sign off here soon. Uh, yeah, I I'm, I'm going to go look at stock old- cars. Yeah, I dug up all my old sport compact car issues, so I think I have close to 40 of them. I'm going to go sit and, uh, yeah, and look sit through. Yeah, peruse them. Very excited. I just got these out uh, out of storage today. Send me some pictures of, my of chassis uh, tuning. I found a bunch of my chassis tuning um, books, too, which I forgot that I had, actually. Oh, really? Wh- uh, which ones do you have? Uh, like, Tune to Win. Hang on. Let me uh, let me get these. Yeah, you got to throw, throw a list up there. I need to buy or borrow some of those. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about having them available for loan. So I have uh, Competition Car Suspension, a practical handbook. Okay. Um, there's that one. 
I've got Tune to Win, The Art and Science of Race Car Development and Tuning by Carol Smith. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chassis Engineering by Herb Adams, um, which is kind of, I think this one was more like formula car stuff or like yeah. pretty much purpose-built race cars. I could probably like design an MPO one competitor by reading this book. <laughs> well, not probably not, but maybe. Uh, yeah, we could we could design it with Legos. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, and then motorsport fitness uh, manual. This was the fourth one that I had found. I opened okay. it up, and there's like a 240Z rally car uh, with four oh, wheels cool. off the ground. So I was like, oh, that's a winner. So, yeah, that's and one then to I buy. have uh, driving on the edge, and then a karting manual, and then I have this really cool book that uh, AIM or AIM data put out yeah. from the runoffs okay. in 2012. Really. Yeah, so I might have to uh, might have to bring that. Yeah, I might uh, need to borrow a couple of those from you. I've perused them, but I've never read any of those all the way through. So. I've got this really cool magazine too. It's a FRS BRZ magazine from Japan, so it opens up the wrong way. Oh, cool! Uh, and they, then I have read I have a bunch of old grassroots motorsports. Yep, everybody's got those. Yep. And then I have a couple issues of uh, Import Racer magazine from back in the day. When when were those from? Early 2000s? Uh, let's see. This one is from September 2003, November yeah, 2003, yeah. December 2003. Apparently, I really liked this magazine at that point. <laughs> For a couple months. And then, yeah. what was, oh, the first one I have is actually from October 2001. Okay. Um, and R.J. Devera's um, NSX is on the cover. Yeah, I remember that car. Yeah, yeah. So, because he didn't he have uh, a wheel company at that point too? Yeah, I, I forget which one he had. He was also the technical advisor for the first Fast and Furious. So take that uh, and swallow that pill. Yeah, you know what? I heard <laughs> there was an interview um, with him recently about it. Okay, I think. Or whoever owned the Supra and stuff owned the Supra and owned a couple other cars. Whoever that guy oh, was. Oh yeah, yeah. I heard I heard that interview on. I think it was on Smoking Tire. Okay. Uh, no, they, uh, he uh, R.J. Devera was one of the technical advisors. I think. Um, I remember, for some reason I remember this, but uh, yeah, there was probably a lot of them, and they all yeah. got it wrong. <laughs> and then <laughs> so, I I okay. found um, your and my first tuner magazine ever. Yeah, the uh, Super Street, uh, July two thousand one, yeah. the June June Auto Mechanic Civic on it, right? Which they completely screwed up. They should have released this as the June edition, not the July edition. Yeah, what were they thinking? So, oh well. Yeah, so lots yeah. of lots of good goodies. <laughs> um, I still have tons of like off road magazines and stuff because for those of you that don't know, I used to be a huge like Jeep guy. Yeah. Um, so I know a decent amount about Jeeps and different, at least up until about the 2006 range. Almost uh, sent yourself to the hospital in a Jeep or yeah, almost sent yourself to yeah. the grave. You went to the hospital. And, and lately I, I've been kind of itching for something to go wheeling in and traveling yeah. in since fuel is cheap right now. Yeah, it is but, cheap right now. But I do kind of uh, need to figure out how to make money first. So Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. Yep. All right, buddy, we got a Ross Bentley driving tip coming up then? Yep, we sure do. So we'll cut to that, and uh, we'll see you guys next, what? Next Tuesday. Sorry, I was yeah. confused for a second. Yeah, All right, happy Friday, everybody. Yep. And, uh, yeah, enjoy the weekend, guys. All right. We'll see you later. So we've heard for years that practice makes perfect. Here's Ross explaining how you can get a little bit more extra practice every day, or at least every time you're behind the wheel of a car. So, 
Do you drive on the street more than you do on the track? I bet you do. You're, you're like, like everybody else. Um, and sure, we would love to drive more on the track, but reality sucks sometimes and we drive more on the street. So guess what you should do use driving on the street for? practicing to be a better track driver. Now, you don't have to do that at high speed. You don't have to do it illegally. You know, in fact, I, hey, I strongly recommend that you do things at a legal way, but that doesn't mean that you can't practice the techniques, the skills that you need when you're driving on the track. You know, thinking about how far ahead and practicing building the habits and the programming of looking far ahead and turning your head and looking where you want to go, um, having good smooth movements on the steering wheel, keeping two hands on the steering wheel rather than riding around like this or like this, you know, make it a habit of having two hands on the steering wheel. So that isn't something you have to think about when you get on the track. Um, you know, shifting smoothly, applying the brake and, and, the, and the throttle smoothly but also with enough pressure as well. So doing all the things that you need to do on the track, uh, doing them at, at street speeds, and if you become sensitive enough to feel the motion of the car at lower speeds on the track, it's only gonna make you more sensitive to being a better, to those motions and that the, the weight transfer and things on the track. So use your street driving for good, not evil, but use it for good by practicing the right techniques and building the skills there. So when you get on the track, they just happen like that. If you want to get really good at your heel and toe, it's a good idea to practice it on the street, just like Ross was talking about. It's what worked for me. For more on Ross and Speed Secrets, visit speedsecrets.com. We'll see you guys next Tuesday with a new episode.